And these are the four areas, I believe, of children that are challenging us that we must understand. The third area, and this is going to be kind of sensitive, but I feel it's appropriate, is obviously the area of trauma. And I want to talk about two areas of trauma. The first, the most obvious, that I think is necessary to discuss is unfortunately, without going into a long drosha about it, is the area of sexual abuse. And I'm aware that when I bring this subject up, there are always people sitting in the... Oh, again, he's talking about sexual abuse? You know, like if wherever... Uh, there's probably people saying it right now. What's my agenda with this? Why do I always do this? I do this because there's just too many kids hurt. That's why. I do it because we have too many children in our community hurt by this. And unless we get up and talk about it, unless we become accustomed to the truth and we face the truth, then we're just going to allow more and more kids to get hurt. This is a devastating problem. Statistically, there's actually two abuses I'm going to talk about. The first is sexual and the second is learning. We'll come to that in a moment. Learning, learning trauma. We'll come to that in a moment. The statistics of sexual abuse are something that everyone in Chinuch has to embrace and accept and stop fighting about. We have to accept it. You want to debate me? Come to me after Shabbos. I'll be glad to debate you. But I have to tell you that I'm pleased that more and more Mechanchim tell me, no, 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 we know, we know. We realize it's true. You see, every class has abused kids in your class. Statistically, statistically, there's no class of any class that any teacher is teaching that doesn't have abused kids in your class. Statistically, that is a fact. The statistics in our world at large appear to be, and I've researched it myself, I've discussed it with others, appears to be that one in five of all children in our world, 20%, will have a sexual abuse molestation experience in their childhood. One in five. 20%. Of that 20%, it also appears that about half of them portray what we can refer to as resilience during their childhood years. And I say it this way precisely, they portray what appears to be resilience because they get through their school years. They bury it, they suppress it, it doesn't bother them, it doesn't affect them. And on the contrary, many of them may even react to bury their pain and sorrow with what they've gone through by throwing themselves into learning and becoming super learners and studious, dafka to hide from the pain they're dealing with, so they appear to be resilient. And I say appear because later on in life, I can tell you the countless numbers of people who come back into therapy Later on, because of Shalom bias issues or other struggles with depression, anxiety, and issues in their lives, who the shirish of their problem goes back to early childhood sexual abuse. Excuse me? Is that equal for boys and girls? Yes, it's equal for boys and girls. Yeah, with these numbers and boys and girls. Sorry? 20% Yeah, yeah, let me be very clear again so no one's misunderstanding me. 20% of all from children in our world will have a sexual abuse experience. No, wait, wait, wait. I'm not going to give a drush on sexual abuse. I'm not going to do that. I, I, it's not appropriate. It's not the setting. Please, if you want me to do it, I will do it. I was just... I was just in another community out of the country where they asked me to do this. The drusha took four hours and 50 minutes. This is not the forum for that. Let's leave that for now. But just work with me on some of these facts for now. 
20% will have an experience. Well, I know what's going on in everyone's heads. What, what does it mean? How extreme? Is that really? Is it touching? Could it be that? There's a whole drusher. Please, let's not do that. It's not appropriate now. The fact of a sexual abuse experience, nevertheless, is that we don't understand it so profoundly do we not understand it, that we actually think that we can make statements like, nah, nah, he only put his hand there, she only did this, it was only that, it was outside the clothing. We can make these statements, by the way, and we do all the time. And it's utter foolishness, because the issue of sexual abuse is not about usually what happens. It's about the impact upon sexual development. It's about their lives. It's about introducing a child into the world of sexuality that doesn't belong to them. That world doesn't belong to a child. A child's meant to be naive and pure. A child's meant... You know, I've given chasen sometimes to uh, children of close friends of mine. And I meet children so tamimus and naive, and I think, wow, this is what it's meant to be. A child who can talk... A young adult who becomes a chasen and can talk about sexuality and, and what they're going to be doing in such a pure and beautiful way. Like, okay, this is this stage of life. Now we have to discover this and then talk about it. And now I have to learn this sugya. It's just a beautiful part of their development without guilt or shame and embarrassment. Nothing. It's just a sugya that was till now closed and now it's open. And it's absolutely true and that's the way it's meant to be. The abuse of sexual abuse. Rabbi said, please let go of this idea. It's only this or it's only that. It's rubbish. It's not about the Misa. Rarely is it about the Misa. The Misa is not the traumatic act. The trauma is a child has been introduced into the sugya of sexuality. How does that kid sit in the classroom? How do they sit in our world? Once they've been introduced, the door has been opened to them where they now perceive themselves as a person who belongs in the sexual arena and they're all of 8, 9, 10, 11 years old. What are they meant to do with that now? How do they sit in a classroom where well-meaning rebellion and teachers talk about inyanim like Shmir Saguf? Where they talk, women teachers talk about sneers. And they constantly talk about sneers. And they should talk about sneers. And we talk about Shmir Sinayim and Shmir Saguf. And Mashalim are given constantly, well-meaning Mashalim, in the classroom, about these inyanim, where we tell the children, that's Goyish. That kind of hanhaga, what you see on the billboards, what you see in the world, das is nicht uns, das is nicht the Kedusha of Klalisol. That's not us, das is for the Goyim, nicht uns. What do you think a child who's been touched, who's now in the sugya of sexuality, what do you think they feel about themselves when they hear these, these words? That's the abuse. The abuse is on their sexual development that they have no clue what to do with it. Now they've been put into this sugya. And that poor child sits in this classroom and tries to go through years and years of education, constantly hearing well-meaning and appropriate joshes. These droshes about sneers and about shmira. And the droshes are designed to separate us from Umas Ailam, to accentuate and develop and, and augment and be proud of Kedushas Israel. And the abuse is at that moment this child says, I'm not in that sugya. I'm out. I'm not you. If you would know what I've done, what I've been involved in, what, how would you look at me? When a passionate teacher or Rebbe dashes about Kedusha and you have a child who's been abused sitting in front of you who you don't even know in your class has been abused, 
What do you think is happening to that child? We're, we're shoving them out of Klalisol. Abuse is not about the Maisa. Let it go. This debate about it was only this or only that, it's all rubbish. Yes, occasionally it can be connected with trauma, and then you've got a secondary issue about the trauma too. But generally speaking, the abuse is about sexual development and about the fact this child's now in the sugya, the gateway was opened, the door was opened, and now what do I do with that? Where do I go with that? You have no clue how, what a nightmare it is for a child who's been abused to sit in that classroom and listen to this again and again and again and know in their hearts, if you, my teacher or Rebbe, would know what's running around in my head, which wasn't my fault, oh, but it's running around in my head, you throw me out, you'd humiliate me, you'd kill me, you'd reject me. And so the separation comes where they wander away and they disappear from us through no fault of their own. None, zero, zip, nothing. Speakers and authors take liberties. And they take liberties because they bring stories, cases to illustrate their point that are almost always extreme. They're always true, but they're very extreme. But extreme stories bring about a point that no one will ever forget. I've been struggling with doing what I'm about to do. And I called the parents of a child I worked with and asked them, Rishus, to read a letter to you because I want to make this point. And last night they finally called me back and gave Rishus. His parents have brought me a daughter when she was 13 and exceedingly, exceedingly rebellious. Had Sneas had gone, she was acting out, she was still in school, barely, barely hanging on to her. She was receiving mega, mega doses of Musa, criticism, punishments. They tried every act of control to try and control her. The parents have been told over and over again, you cannot let her do that. And the parents exasperated, said, well, how exactly do we stop her? Do we chain her to the bed? Do we padlock her to the room? She was now running around aggressively and actively with every boy she can get hold of at 13. And finally, by the end of that year, she was thrown out of school and ended her connection with our system. When the parents came to me, they brought it to me originally, I listened to her for a couple of sessions and I asked her in the most gentle way I knew and suggested to her that perhaps something had happened to you. She blew up in a rage. Why would you say that? That's ridiculous. Why do you therapists always say that? Everyone thinks that. That's so ridiculous. And she blew up in a rage. And of course I knew it was true once she blew up in such a rage. When the parents came in, I told them this is clearly because she didn't want to see me anymore after I suggested this ridiculous notion. And the parents came to see me, and they too, the mother especially, blew up in a big rage with me about this issue. No, it can't be. Why does everyone say that? It's so ridiculous. She's just acting out. She needs discipline. She needs Musa. We've got to control her. And I worked with them gently for the next two years while they eventually embraced the fact that I was probably right and it would take a long time to emerge. And the only possibility that it will ever emerge, ever, is if she knows that if she can let this truth out, you're not going to kill her. You're not going to look down at her. You're going to embrace her. You're going to accept her. 
You have to change your relationship so profoundly with this young girl that whatever she can tell you will not be so painful, so bizarre that you're going to throw her in the trash can. You're going to dump her. You're going to disconnect from her. And we worked for about a year and a half while this girl went on her dance of furious dance involved with boys and drugs, in and out of rehab. And at 15, she began to settle. And she was in a rehab doing group therapy and she sent her parents the following letter. I'm going to read you the letter. I have to tell you, it's hard for me to read this letter. But I want to make the point so we'll never forget this, any of us. Tati and Mummy, my biggest fear of telling you is that you will blame yourselves for not knowing what was going on. But I want you guys to know this is not your fault. And I do not blame you guys at all. I love you guys so much. And I just do not understand why bad things happen to good people. Because you guys are the most amazing and strongest people I've ever met. This is after a year and a half of therapy. There's no easy way of saying this. And it's so difficult for me to tell you. But I feel I have to do so that we can all heal. From the ages at about 8 till 11, my brother was raping me. This happened in our house when you guys weren't around. Which is why our house is so hard for me to live in, because of all the memories. This occurred more or less than several times a week. And the thing that's hardest for me to tell you is that throughout all of this, he managed to get me pregnant. I then miscarried, miscarried due to my young age. I had no idea what to do deep down. I knew how wrong it was, but the more it happened, the more he convinced me it was normal. Also, when I started going to therapy, him telling me that it was for my practice convinced me not to say anything to her. She never told her therapists. I didn't want you guys to think differently of me or my brother. And I was afraid I changed his name. I took his name out. I'm saying his brother. And I was afraid if I told you guys, you would think differently of me. I was so embarrassed. Another reason why I didn't say anything was because when I was in a certain treatment facility... I was hurting so, so much. So I told them a small amount of what happened. But I told one girl the whole truth. And she told me she would protect me. And then she molested me. And I don't understand how I could tell someone. All my pain. And then they hurt me even more. So that shut me down completely. And I didn't trust anyone after that. I know this is a lot and overwhelming. And I'm sorry it took me so long to get honest. I hope we can move past this as a family. And I appreciate your continued love and support. Now that you have a clearer understanding of what happened, I hope you can respect my boundaries when I ask for them to be set in the home. I love you. It took a year and a half of very, very hard work with these parents to embrace something that happened. 
and to create a relationship where whatever happened, however heinous, their daughter can tell them, and this is about as bad as it gets. I don't know any worse case I've ever had. And yet, with the healing, with, came, with the acceptance came the healing. And the process began, although this is fresh. But I believe we're going to see a from girl here. We're going to see her reunite with her family. We're actually going to see a girl, in my opinion, who is going to find a meaningful place in Klanisol and a meaningful place in Shemir's HaMitzvahs. From this extreme story, a girl acted out from age eight, was severely criticized, punished. Every imaginable disciplinary act was committed on her to control her, to stop her misbehaving. Every musadrasha imaginable was given to her. And all we did was hurt her more and more and more until she broke and she found acting out sexually was actually the only way she felt good because now she made it normal we have to realize in every classroom there's probably three kids on average who are actively hurting in sarum pain because of sexual abuse I'm not asking you to diagnose it. I'm asking you to entertain the idea that when you see a kid acting out in a bizarre and strange way, this is one of the many things we need to realize may be going on, and we need to be honest. We can't deny this, and we can't run away anymore. We need to be truthful. Okay. By the way, at the end of all this, I'm sorry for being so heavy, but, uh, you know, I live with these kids and young adults and married couples getting divorced that goes back to this side I live with so many of them it's so incredibly painful and it's so common and we're in such deep deep denial about it we just have to get real my Rebbe Mashkir has encouraged me that as often I sit with groups like this I must talk about it not should not could but must and so I take that liberty 80% of the children who are off the derech report having been sexually abused. That seems to be the big reason kids go off the derech, much more than anything else. 